0: Hello, my name is Chester Tin, I'm the House Elf of the Wilmington Mission Conference and I've been asked to tell you that this live recording of the Roughing the Pastor podcast is not actually that very good. The audio quality is rather poor and that's my fault. For some reason I was put in charge of setting up the audio equipment, but particularly the recording device and I don't rightly understand how Muggle technology works. So the recording you're about to hear is not off the soundboard, but instead just a recording from the room. It's a bit muddled. Sometimes you can't quite understand what people are saying. I've done my best to fix it up, but it's not great. But still we figure you might want to hear it. My apologies. I've already punished myself. I've eaten a bag of ants, sat my fingers in a drawer, and I ran them of my foot with a giant tea trolley. Anyway, enjoy this live recording of Ruffling a Pastor, recorded live in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania at the Westminster College campus on July 24th, 2019.
1: Bloody muggle. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> 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 Oh. So, my name is Elliot Domsky, and today you will be listening to Rumping the Pastor" with Tyler Domsky and Jay, um, right. Right. Yes. Just yes. Check. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Elliot!
2: Yeah. That was incredible. Hey, Jay. Hey, Tyler. I have a question. I hope I have an answer. Have you been on a mission trip before? A couple of them. Okay, that's the only question I had. So, uh, have you been on a mission trip as a student or as a leader or as both? Both. Okay, give me what is the most memorable experience that you had on a mission
3: trip, either as a leader or as a student or whatever? I've given this a lot of thought. Uh, But when I was in high school, uh, where are the high schoolers in here? (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's, it's an audio podcast They don't see your hands So you have to like cheer you know, When I was in high school, Tyler uh, I went on a mission trip to North Carolina And also on that mission trip Is a character that goes on every high school mission trip And it is the, in my case, young lady In some other cases, the young man That you have a huge crush on in your youth group you know I'm talking about. Everybody has that. Yeah. And that was super exciting because like we'd gotten to know each other, and we were like starting to develop a little something, and like orchestra music played whenever we walked in the room together, you know that kind of thing. Thank you. Um, but then I was in school one day before departing for the North Carolina mission trip, and a friend pushed me into my own school locker i chipped this tooth right here so i looked like the hillbilly gap tooth just crazy for everything Uh, so i in every picture from that trip i have the big gap tooth smile and she is as far away as humanly possible in every single picture what age were you in this trip? this would have been sophomore in high school so like what 14 15 yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> 15, 15, I don't 15 16 oh, yeah. I, I have a summer birthday though. I have a summer birthday, so I was behind everybody on that stuff. I don't remember a thing about what we did on that mission trip, other than I walked around the whole week like this. So <laughs> it would be nice. um, what about you? Do you have a mission
2: trip? I mean, as someone who came up with the question, I should have had a better answer than right now, because <laughs> I haven't thought of one. I, I have a couple of memories. Uh, one is, do you guys know, um, if I was to say like when, you're, when your laundry is sour, do you know what I mean by that? So it's like if you if you have not done laundry, but you have worn clothes before, you may recognize that sometimes laundry can get like musty and like kind of gross smelling and it's not body odor. It happens when uh, someone does, uh, when you do the laundry and you leave it too long where it's wet before you put it in the dryer Well As you get to a point that you're doing your own laundry, this is a a problem that you will find. And I had uh, one mission trip that I remember that, uh, and if you do it, there's a sweet spot. So sometimes you can, it can get so sour that you just smell it right away and then you pull it out of the drawer, and it's like, this smells like mildew. <laughs> the other, the sweet spot, which is the trick against yourself, is when you do it just enough that it does not smell bad until you wear it and warm it up a little bit. So once, especially on uh, mission trips where you love like, steamy day. Uh, so there's one mission trip that I went on I was about 15 Yeah, every single shirt that I had, was super sour, and so I would get about an hour into the day, and I would smell like the inside of a fake leg. Oh. It
4: was horrible. It was disgusting. Or a cast. Have you ever had
2: a cast and took it off, and you know that smell? Which it smells like like someone like threw up in a bucket and set it on fire. And that was, that's what my all of my clothes for the entire week smelled like, uh, and that was great. There was another one uh, that is just an image that I remember this, one of my favorite experiences on a mission trip. So, uh, my mom helped out with, uh, the youth, both of my parents did, so I had the, the illustrious fun that many of you maybe had, if you have parents in ministry, of going on mission trips with your parents all the time. And, uh, there was one time where we had to wash our laundry, uh, we, we were at a laundry mat, and my mom was mad at me for something, but on a mission trip, I had a certain level of immunity that she would only yell at me so much in front of everybody, and I got to the point that I was
3: real bold about
2: that. And so she's yelling at me, really mad. And my mom had fire in her eyes, like she can get real mad. And in the middle of it, I just pulled out a camera and took a picture of
4: her.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and very selfie style, before that was really a thing because this is all filmed. So I didn't know until two weeks later what happened. It's so like she's yelling at me, and I'm like, mm mm-hmm. And then I take a picture of my mom. And it's still one of my favorite pictures of my mom and I is her wanting to burn me to the ground <laughs> and me not caring at all and I got in big trouble for that but like so it's like a picture before you get punched or something like that like something terrible happened after that picture but I can't remember because uh, she did really yell at me after that like all the rules came off of like I'm not your mom on this trip but she was really went on that moment. and so that's my favorite mission trip moment is me completely disrespecting my mom. So let's recap, we <laughs> yeah. came up with
3: this question and the best two memories that we could come up with involve <laughs> us being social pariahs <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and smelling real bad and missing our teeth. Yes. Cool. So, uh, so glad you came to hear two really cool guys yeah, talk for a couple yeah, yeah. hours about
2: yeah. <laughs> So uh, I'm Tyler.
3: I'm Jay. And
2: this is fucking the, the Pastor. pastor. like this is that we have a lot of people speaking to us about mission Um, and that definition I think is actually a really good definition. So again, you go to a place where people need help and you help them. Um, Where do you have to
4: go? Yeah. Obviously Africa.
2: Yeah. And especially in a place like this, we usually hear about people Sweden? in other... sweet. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Other parts of the world, other parts of the um, country, other parts of everything. Usually people who don't look like us. I grew up... So I've gone to this uh, conference every year, and um, one of the things that I always thought was that mission was something that happened <laughs> in Africa. Yeah. Or happened in well, it's the second
3: word, right? It's a mission trip.
2: Yeah, right? You gotta go somewhere. Yeah, mission you trip is not months. down to the store. Right. Mission trip is somewhere else. Right. And so, uh, what I always grew up thinking is that it's I need to go to a place where people need help, and I have the help, and so they have what I I have what they need, and I can go provide it. And so my experience in mission trips, um, especially in high school, was that I felt like I had gone to places and I had provided something. That they couldn't have if I hadn't gone there. One of the things that I so I, I went on a mission trip to Belize uh, two years ago, three years ago, three summers ago, and uh, I had never been. Uh, so I had been a, I was in youth ministry. Uh, I was in youth ministry for ten years. Uh, I went on a mission trips my whole life. I had never been to an overseas mission trip, and I didn't plan this one. It had been planned by other people, and I went along as a leader. And it was in the midst of that. Uh, that for me, as a grown man who was not leading this trip, but a leader on the trip, uh, that I started to realize that a lot of the work we were doing there, we had people from the church. We were helping to build a wall around this, the courtyard of this church, which is an interesting thing altogether, <laughs> a lot in and of itself. But as we were building that, there were many people from the church who came to watch us work. And we went there to that church. And basically told them here's what we can do for you and as we were working we were working on the wall and then we somebody saw their door and decided that the door to the church was not good and we decided to go by door and replace their door and all of that was good stuff all of that felt good in the moment all of the kids who went with us really felt good about it uh, the last day of the trip uh, where do you usually end a mission trip what do you usually do on the last day where do you go? Amusement park. To an amusement park, right? It, it, raise your hand if you've gone to an amusement park at the end of a mission trip before.
4: Oh. <gasps> like, so many you month? think like that. a, a you <laughs> day, though, Like
2: a mission trip. Raise your hand if oh, you had yeah. a fun yeah. day on a mission trip. Yeah. 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 So it you may not know, be an amusement park. Maybe like, we're going to go around Chicago. We're going to go to a baseball game. We're going to do all these things. Uh, our fun day at the end of the Belize trip was we went to an island resort. Hey, hello. And, it's, uh, yes. uh, and uh, me and another leader were put in a honeymoon suite. Uh, So me and and who I was with, and uh, and it was lovely. It was it was was really wonderful, Um, and it was it really was a picturesque like um, island getaway type thing. Probably cost thousands of dollars. Um, And I so I started to realize as we were doing this work, and especially as we did the thing with the door, no one asked us to do the thing. No one asks us even really to do the thing with the wall. So then I started to imagine what would happen if a group of people came to my church and said, we want to help you, and didn't ask what I needed, but just said, we're going to build you a wall. And then as they were building the wall, as they kind of ran out of things to do, they said, we're also going to build you a door. And I started to think, for me at least, that would make me feel bad. If someone came to your house and kind of said, you know what you need is you need a better house, um, and I hadn't asked for it, that might make me feel
3: bad. We went once on a mission trip to Africa, to Malawi. And did you see the rains down in I did okay. see the rains down in Africa. <laughs> but I saw the Toto rains and not the Weezer rains, oh. and I will fight anybody. <laughs> Uh, but we went and we flew. It's incredibly expensive to fly to Africa. Uh, and, and so we only had one check back. So we decided that building materials. The whole group? Yeah, everybody had a grand in one bag. No, everybody got one bag, but like, uh, we decided to leave the building materials at home and just go ourselves to Africa. And we would be the labor force uh, for whatever the churches down there needed. And what was hilarious about that is in Africa, because, the, or in this country in Malawi, where their, their economy is such that they have tons of laborers who are desperate for work. Um, they, they just want money to, to or they just want work so they can raise money and feed their family. What they don't have is materials. materials. So we showed up and actually took jobs away from people that could have done them um, just because it was a bit bit easier for us to take ourselves and not take the material. So like, even some of that stuff, whether, whether the work needs to be done or not, there's some potential drawbacks to not thinking through what you're doing on the way there. I think there was a hand in the middle of all that, so go, go ahead.
5: Yes. Um, do you think that that concept kind of goes along with the concept of like toxic charity? Yes. I read a book called Toxic Charity. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Way to jump ahead.
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you're
3: supposed to say spoiler alert yeah, before yeah. you say oh, yeah. stuff like that. Okay. There is, no, that's perfect. Uh, so, there's a book called
2: Toxic Charity. Uh, toxic Charity which is a very accessible book even to all of you. Um, uh, no, Peter uh, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> <"Toxic> <laughs> of course you all read books. He meant me. Yeah. yeah I three, read like a, a second yeah. reading uh, Toxic Charity is a really good book that, that gets at this idea. Actually, can you, do, you want, do you want to tell us, what do you, what do you know about Toxic Charity?
5: <laughs> so, the concept of Toxic Charity is just kind of differentiating, that's a big word.
3: Yeah. Um, that is not accessible. Charity, to me. That Ten is points for everyone. Uh,
5: <laughs> especially in mission, um, making it more of a partnership and um, making sure that you are giving the people what you need, what they need, excuse yeah. me, and not what you want to give, and um, that you are supporting people and teaching the people and giving them the resources so that
2: one day you won't have to go anymore. If they can be self-dependent, self reliant Absolutely. Thank you very much. Uh, smattering of applause for that. <laughs> uh, so I do to have just tell you about smattering of applause. <laughs> so
3: That was it's more of applause. Smattering. So a smattering of applause is the awkward applause where like someone, yeah, which is like. And nice I yeah, That's not, so not like fun. a one but like, everyone give like three or four claps, like. Perfect Saturday applause. That's when someone says like, right? And you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but you feel like someone tells you to clap. It's like when you go to like a worship service and like, everyone put your hands up if you love Jesus. And you're like, man, I love Jesus, but I don't want to put my hands up. <laughs> um, you know, I, guess, I guess we'll learn this. Okay, here
3: we go. It's eight in the morning. I'm we'll yeah. to keep my hands up. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Well, Um, So one of the things, and and thank you very much for for Toxic Charity, exactly that book too is where we're going. Um, And uh, um, one of the things that that, that Toxic Charity is really even talking about too is this sense that so much of mission and mission trips, and whether you know this now, mission trips for high school students in America is an industry. No joke. There are businesses. For-profit businesses that sponsor trips to send you places. So if you ever done a, and I don't necessarily know that these are the ones, but if you ever done like a youth works trip or a brain pelicans trip or a team effort trip, like those are ones that you show up and they just do all the stuff for you. I'm not necessarily saying that those are bad places, but they there is a cottage industry in doing that. And some of those trips, I as a leader would go and we did one time we literally did this. One day. We dug a hole. The next day, we went back to that hole, and we filled it in. Because they did not have any work for us to do, and they wanted to keep us busy. And, so the, and the, there are other times that I went. Uh, one time, we built a set of stairs that was terrible. And I don't know if you've ever been on stairs before, but, but you kind of need them to work. Like, there's, there's a lot of things that can be like, I don't know, and this is okay if it doesn't work. Uh, stairs are not one of stairs them. Stairs are critical. Stairs have one function, and it's to keep you from falling and to get you up higher. And if they don't do either of those things, then they cease to be stairs. And <laughs> we were we were told to build stairs. We were not given plans for building stairs. None of us knew how to do anything.
3: And Did you go know to like the Lego store first? No, well, they stairs gave some wood,
2: but they didn't we had to cut it was really, really bad. And they told us, the leadership of the program told us. The quality of work doesn't matter Ooh. as much as building relationships with the homeowners. Now, I want to remind you, we were at, with these homeowners, we were outside of these people's house for three days. Yeah, I had a team of probably 15 high school kids of very Greece, two leaders who had to keep these high school kids uh, interested. None of these high school kids were really passionate about building stairs. Uh, and
3: does Even like there yeah. in the room? is that a thing?
2: Even less of them were interested in building relationships with a 45 year old woman from West Virginia, who did not really want a bunch of high school kids walking through her house. And so, what we were told, we were supposed to do, is build a relationship with this woman we will never see again, and that the steps were just a means for us to build that relationship. Um, at the end of that trip. We built the worst set of steps. Like I almost felt like we should just tear them down right before we leave. We took down her functional steps to give her a new set of barely functional steps Uh, to the the degree that even as we left, I raised concern about that. The group, the leader said, don't worry about it. Next week we'll have another group come in and rebuild the steps. Think about that. Mm -hmm. We dug a hole.
3: And then the next day we it back. So then the same thing, right? Sarcasm alert. The same thing would be to not do the charity stuff, the home building, the, and just spread the name of Jesus to everybody, right? Yeah.
2: So here's, here's uh, where I taken an even deeper turn. Um, so we are all, whether or not you have been raised in this, in this culture or not, we are now all in American culture, Western culture. Uh, one of the things that America likes to, to define itself by is that we are better than any other country. Not in a, in the best way we, we say it is that we have figured it out. And so one of our goals of being better is that what should we do to the rest of the world? We should fix it. We should make them like who? Us. Like us. That is called colonialism. <laughs> so there's a word for you today. Did anybody know what colonialism is? It's how we
3: started. This is a great vocabulary. Yeah.
2: yeah. So th- there's a thing called colonialism, which is, when an empire decides that it wants to get bigger and it sets up colonies. It goes to a new place and it creates a mini version of it. It's like when McDonald's builds a new store in a new location. It's setting up a new McDonald's. We started as a colony of who?
5: England.
2: England. And they got really mad when we said we want to be our own thing. And they said, no, you need to be us, but over there. It would be like a McDonald's saying, we want to serve chicken. And then the regular McDonald's says, no, you're a McDonald's, you have to do that. And then there's a civil
3: war. Her revolutionary war between McDonald's and the chicken McDonald's. I hate to fact check you a little bit, but like McDonald's does indeed sell chicken. Oh, I meant fried chicken. No. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know that that's chicken. They sell chicken. They sell something they call chicken. Hot <laughs> chicken. <hate> chicken. <laughs> yeah.
2: So really that's just a means to eat sweet and sour sauce, right? It's yes. like a food you can eat. <laughs> Delivery vehicle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the idea of, of colonialism is, is going and setting up copies of the culture that you are. Um, mission, for a very long time, has operated in from the Western world uh, in concert with this, another word, another ism, imperialism. Imperialism is it's a word that comes from the empire, it's about spreading the empire. We There's a big empire, if you know anything about history, called the British Empire, that was a big thing. It's why a lot of the world speaks English, and why uh, a lot of the world likes soccer. Uh, and why several countries still have the Queen of England on their money. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is that this is something that uh, is modeled in a lot of these trips. And the whole concept of imperialism and colonialism is saying, we have figured it out, and the way that we help people is by making them like oh, us. No.
1: is that the way you help people?
2: No. What should we make them like? them yes uh sometimes churches can be that mm-hmm. um and that's sometimes that's not bad if i know how to juggle and you want to learn how to juggle the best way for me to show you how to juggle is to juggle to show you do it this way now follow me now you try it, okay here go, no, you screw up like let this do that so there is a legitimate helping of like watch me do what i do um uh, the problem with mission in that way is that there was this concept of we civilization, whether that was Britain or America now, uh, that the best way in which the world can exist is if it looks like one giant America. Uh, the problem is not everybody is American. And if I was to come in and say, uh, uh, I did this, I, my sister's 10 years younger than me. And, um, I had to be in charge of her a lot when I was uh, in college, so I was like 20 and she was 10.
3: Continue to pray for her.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And one of the things that I did um, as a a 20-year-old who had to watch a 10-year-old was I told her, all the music you like is garbage. All the movies you like are terrible. Here's the music you should like. And I just told her, you have to like what I like. You have to watch what I like. And everything that you had liked is terrible. And it worked. For me. <laughs> uh, and then my 10 year old sister became a lot more enjoyable to hang around with because she liked all the stuff that I liked. And 10 year olds are very susceptible to that kind of uh, encouragement. The problem is, um, that's not who she was. She's not me. And that wasn't fair to her. A lot of times, mission has looked like in the past going into a place and saying, the way that, let me tell you about Jesus, but first, put on some clothes, learn some English.
3: Build a building that looks like this, and then we can talk about Jesus. So it's not so much that people are spreading Jesus, it's that people are spreading their vision of who Jesus is. White Jesus. Yeah, right, yeah, Yeah. right.
2: Um, So you guys are um, largely in and from America. You exist in an American space. But do you uh had the same experience as your parents did. So. What's one thing that's very different? No. That you can hold up the rectangular shape.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: Who has one of these? Yes.
3: Okay, iPhone or Android? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> iPhone or Android? IPhone! It was an informal poll. Thank yeah. you for participating. <laughs> you know I an mean?
4: Android. Um,
2: <laughs> so as uh, have you ever had people um, ask you why you're staring at your phone all day? Yeah. Yeah.
3: How's that make you feel? Kind of bad. Oh, does it make you feel great? I heard of Did I, I hear attacked. attacked. Yeah, great work for that. Could you spend too much time on your phone? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely, we're not idiots.
2: Can you eat too much pizza? Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah, everything, <laughs> everything. everything has limits. Everything can be a problem, even good things. And that's one of the things, like kind of most of the worst, the most corruptible things. Um, most of the, the sins that have been articulated are not you're doing a bad thing, it's you're doing a good thing in a bad way. So, when, when people say you're on your phone too much, uh, is that always true? Do you think you're on your phone too much? No. Yeah, most of the time, no. Because a lot of times, what are you doing when you're on your phone? Ignoring you. You're ignoring me. That's one thing you can do. Yeah, you can, you can use it to, to ignore the situation. But what are you looking at on your phone? Friends. Friends! Yes, so sometimes you're doing games and stuff like that, but more than more often than not, probably, you are in social media in some way, you're texting some way, you are on Snapchat, you are, uh, in various ways, communicating with people. And so it is an opportunity that you could be using to connect with people that you wouldn't have been able to connect with otherwise. One of the things that I found, especially about a place like this, so a place like this, you're connecting with people who live in lots of different places, and so, uh, when I was in high school, um, you would meet people at conference, you would connect for a week, and then unless you were a real industrious and write them a letter, you would not see that person or hear from that person again until the next year, which was like going to camp or something like that. Probably for most of you, if you have, if this is not your first time here, do you talk to people from conference throughout the year? Yes. 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 Do you know what's going on with them? Yes. 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 Sometimes too much. <laughs> And we have developed a new thing, which isn't really a new thing, but a, a, a thing called uh, FOMO. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. Yeah, fear of missing out, which is real rough. And that's one of the social media things that's a problem that didn't used to be as big of a deal because you get to see what other people are doing that you're not doing. And so especially if you have friends that you love who may live three states away, and you're constantly seeing how much fun they're having and how, then you think of like where you are, like I don't have friends that do that kind of stuff. I want to do that kind of stuff. That can be really exhausting. But at the same time, you can maintain this friendship and relationship that can build beyond just the one week a year that you have the opportunity to be together. Yeah.
3: So I had this weird revelation yesterday. This is a fresh thought. Can we try out new material with you? Yes, I, I work at a church. Um, I work at a church. I work at a church. And uh, I had one of those days yesterday that was a a million hour a day. Like I was literally at 12 hours. I was there from 8 in the morning until 8 at night. Um, and it was business meeting day. You don't know about this yet. It's awful. Um, it is a bunch of people talking about stuff you don't care about for 12 hours. Um, and I was riding my bicycle home. And it occurred to me I work in a church. I work in a church. Twelve hours of business in the church, I had not heard the name Jesus brought up once. All day. The whole day. It took until I was listening to our podcast. (laughs) I had to tell myself the name of Jesus on the way home. Interesting. Think about all the discussion we've had around mission in the last hour or so. We go hammering nails, we build stairs, we build relationships. We, there is the, we will go do mission, and, and we will be the helpful people and go bring uh, our labor or our money or our culture to those people and make them better. There's a version of mission that says we will show up into a culture and let them teach us. Uh, let them show us what they're up to. Let them speak Jesus into us. The piece of the conversation for me that gets left out so much is that Jesus is already in the places we're going. Jesus is already there. Amen. Is not we have this awesome thing to bring to the people uh, that we can spread our culture, that we can essentially show up and be the cranky old people saying, get off your phones right? But instead we can say, oh, Jesus is already on your phone, to stretch that metaphor, <laughs> right? How do we show up and participate in what Jesus is already doing? That's mission. So why do you think,
2: when you go on a mission trip, that where you do four days of working, two days of travel, one day of fun, why do you think we don't talk to the people and ask them what they want? What? I think building partnerships can be uncomfortable and hard. Yes. It's building partnerships. Building partnerships is uncomfortable and hard. And it takes time. So do you have do you have any relationships in your life? Do you have friendships? No. Yeah.
3: No. How? Aww, so if you if you have a
2: friendship or a relationship or anything like that, did it did it how long did it take to build that? Are you still building it? Yes. So does a relationship ever stop building? No. No. Jesus tells us to do what to our neighbor? Does Jesus tell us to ask our neighbor one question and get them to say the right answer and then hand them a book and walk away? No. But that's easier, Tyler. Okay, wait. I want to say that one more time. (laughs) Does Jesus ask us to go up to our neighbor, ask them a question, Wait for the right answer. Hand them a book and walk away. No. no, no, that is not loving your neighbor. Our goal is not to convert people. Conversion is not in the Bible. Now there are people who change in the Bible. Repentance, repentance literally just means to change. Like oh, I was going this way, I'm going this way. But in every situation, Jesus asks us to love our neighbor and you cannot love someone by digging a hole and then (laughs) filling it in and then leaving them a book and say, read this. Thanks. Uh, If you've ever been on a trip uh, or heard about a trip where part of the report from that trip was how many souls were saved?
3: That was the right response from the room. Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) I I do want to say very emphatically, and I would say objectively, you saved zero souls. Your group saved zero souls. Yep. Uh, everything, any soul that was ever saved was saved by Jesus, not by you. And so, when we yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa what's
3: happening? Who is that? What's happening here? <laughs> look, yeah, oh, that's Of course, that's Jim. <laughs>
2: A lot of times we're and we're here. We'll hear it that conversion is the goal. That is not the goal, because conversion is making someone else like who us. us. Conversion is about making other people like us. That is not the gospel. One of the biggest things in the gospel, if you read through the book, uh, this guy named Paul, who's really annoying. Uh, because <laughs> Paul, Paul no. Paul has a lot of fans and the biggest fan of paul is the guy named paul
4: that's so true Paul
2: a lot of times he's like hey did you hear about paul that's me let me tell you how great I am. and so he then spends <laughs> several <laughs> chapters talking about how great he is and then is like well, it's all about jesus but it's like all right dude you talked about yourself for like 10 kind of minutes about paul. and then jesus, jesus at the end i don't think that counts anyway so paul <laughs> one of the big things that paul says though is that we cannot go and make people like us you can't tell people that they have to be this is where the circumcised comes in. So if you ever read the Bible and you read circumcised, you're like, ooh, I don't want to read this anymore. Yes. Um, what he's talking about is literally, um, in order to become Jewish, you had to be circumcised.
4: Google it. With the safe thing called. <laughs> Do not search. Google it. Yeah, don't yeah. no, yeah. the safe search on. You
2: yeah, look it up in a dictionary, and you don't know what that means. Um, but, so what that means like, it was a physical way of showing that I belong to this not in a way that people are going to see, so it's a very interesting choice. Uh, but so it, uh, what people were starting to say is that in order to become Christian, you had to become Jewish first, and you couldn't be Jewish unless you were circumcised. So there's a bunch of people called uh, the Judaizers who were going around saying, to this new church, in order to become Christian, you have to be Jewish first. And Paul said, no. One, that's stupid, and it's not a great marketing tool. Uh, but also... Jesus took away all, to to yeah, <laughs> to all those rules. Jesus fulfilled all those rules. So we don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to become, because it was really saying in order to believe in Jesus, in order to be saved, you have to become like us first. And Paul was saying, no, you don't. And then Paul says things like, to, to a Jew I became like a Jew, to a Greek I became like a Greek. In Christ there is no male nor female, slave nor free, uh, Jew nor Greek. And what he's saying is that Jesus is for everybody. Jesus is not just for us, and then we go and share what's for us with everybody else. Jesus is for everybody. One of the best Paul stories is that he goes to Athens, and uh, he's kind of, he's waiting for people. So it's really just a story that happened uh, because he was waiting around for his friends to show up, and then he just starts talking about Jesus on the street. And then people in Athens are like, oh, we want to hear about this guy. So they invite him to this, uh, to this place where all these leaders meet and talk about philosophical things. They're like, tell us about your God. And while he's waiting, he goes around the main square and he sees all these idols, all these statues everywhere for all these different Greek gods. And so he sees one that says, to an unknown God. It's basically just like covering the bases. Like it's like, <laughs> here's all the gods, in case you missed any, this one. And uh, it's like, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, so he then goes to the, yeah, to, the, to, the, to the place where all the leaders are meeting and they say, tell us about Jesus. Tell us about your God. And he's like, well, I don't really need to tell you about it because you already know him. You have a, a statue for this guy. This is the guy who created all, everything. And he doesn't go and say, all these other guys are terrible. You should knock them down. I got the only real one. He says, you guys are super spiritual. You're in touch with the idea that there's stuff bigger than you. You already know this guy. You just don't know his name. And I have to know his name because I was lucky enough to meet Jesus. So let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus is already here. You just didn't know his name. One of the things that, uh, I'm a pastor at a
3: church an hour north of here,
2: and I have uh, an hour south of (laughs)
4: here.
3: We've discussed that Tyler can tell you who directed any movie on the planet. (laughs) But, I don't but could right. not tell you what direction this yeah. north right this second. Like Just could not do it. So
2: one of the things, though, that I, I end every church service week, we have, there's a benediction at the end of every church service, and one of the benedictions, I didn't mean for it to become a normal thing, it was become a normal thing, where I ended by saying, uh, go from this place, and I'll say this as we leave, too, uh, go from this place knowing that, that there's no way that you can go which Christ is not already present. You go from this place not taking God to the world, but following God into the world. Uh, we talk about this with, with like preschool classes and stuff. But, uh, like I said, where is Jesus? And they always say, where do you think preschool kids point? I say, where's Jesus? Where's God? Yeah, sometimes they point here, but usually they point there. And I make a point to say, because this is true, God is not just there. This is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there everywhere. So everybody take a breath. My boy. What did you just do? Read. Read. Could you see? The breath? Yeah. Thankfully, none of us have funky enough breath right now that we can see it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we'll pizza. Yeah. Like now, just because we can't see it doesn't it mean it's not there. How do we know there's air in this room? The this simple answer to that. How do we know there's air in this room? Because we're, uh, we're alive. we're not dead.
3: <laughs> yes, because
2: we're not dead. And so I would say the same thing. How do we know that God is in this room? Same answer. We're because we're not dead. And I think
3: There are two broader points to that and then I want to leave time for questions because oh, yeah, yes, yeah. questions are fun. Um, the first thing is this that we miss out on when we do mission trips where we are the sole providers of action um, when we are the ones showing up to help to build the crappy staircases to paint the wall um, when we are the only ones doing the action when we are the ones spreading the gospel um, completely independent of Jesus' work already in that place that is a profound mistrust of who Jesus is, right? That's us saying, you know, yeah, Jesus, you do okay, but I'm gonna do it better, uh, and I think that's super arrogant. We don't realize it as arrogance in the moment, right? Like, but but in that, in that's essentially what you're saying um, is, I, I appreciate what you're up to, Jesus, but I'm gonna do it better. But the flip of that, what's really tragic about that, is how much you miss about what Jesus is doing in the world when you don't pay attention to somebody else's story. Um, I, I've been to a lot of international places, I've been to Vietnam, Malawi, Guatemala, Haiti, and I am just in love with the ways people communicate and share Jesus with me uh, in those places. And if I go as the sole actor, I'm not gonna see any of it. I'm not gonna hear their music, I'm not gonna hear their song, I'm not gonna hear their theology. I'm not going to hear the life experience. I'm not going to, I'm just not because i would be too focused on me. I wouldn't be able to go into the the, the place of Athens I can never say that word. Area, area, yeah, to to say right. Okay. yeah, right. Just avoid it. Yep. <laughs> the thing with Paul and the statue, we'll go with that. I can't notice the statue to the unknown God if I'm too busy focused on who I think God is and not focused enough on what I think God is doing. Or being angry about the other idols there. Yeah, right. Like that's a normal posture
2: that the church takes, is going in and going, look at all this paganism. Yeah. You're worshiping all these false gods. Paul didn't say that. Paul says, you get super spiritual. We gotta go. He compliments the fact that they are polytheistic, which is a crazy thing.
3: <laughs> yeah. Let that sink
2: in. One of my one of my favorite uh, just real briefly, uh, that doesn't mean that. it's gonna be short. It's that's so true. We've learned. <laughs>
3: Real one, of favorite,
2: one of my favorite mission trip stories in the Bible is the book, is the book of Jonah. Uh, it's a great book. I highly recommend you read the book of Jonah. It's only four chapters and we usually stop at chapter three. It's more than a fish. Fish, swallow. God. And the best part of chapter of Jonah is chapter four. And we don't read that part because it doesn't have an ending. And we don't like that. It, the happy ending at the end of the Jonah story that you heard when you were in kindergarten is Jonah gets vomited up <laughs> by a whale, the whale and then says, sure, God, I'll do what you want now. End of story. But he goes to Nineveh. So God's, God had asked Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah said, nope. And then the whole fish thing happened. And then finally he says, okay, I guess I'll go. Nineveh is this place where he, he, he's supposed to go and tell them that they're doing bad stuff, they need to repent and change. And Nineveh is a place that has a good reputation for killing people. So he's afraid if I go there and say that, they're going to try to kill me. And so he goes there and says that. And they repent. And they change. And God doesn't destroy them. That would be a happy ending, but that's also not the ending of the story. Jonah, after having told them all, you're all gonna die, you can all repent, then goes up and sits on the hill and waits for the city to get blown up. And he's sitting there going, this is gonna be great. I can't wait to see this thing burn. Any second now. And then he starts to get hot. And he's like, no, oh, I'm too hot. And then God <laughs> throws this plant over him. And he's like, ooh, I love this plant. This is so great. And then the plant dies. And then Jonah goes,
3: no, oh, my plan, and
2: yeah, the city didn't blow up. And so then he starts starting a fit. And God, like this parent who knows what's up, says, why are you so mad, Jonah? And Jonah goes, I'm mad because you didn't blow up this city. And you took my plan away. And God says, are you really that mad? And he's like, yes,
3: I'm mad enough to die.
2: Why don't you just kill me? And God says, Jonah, what is wrong with you? <laughs> And Jonah says, the most interesting thing about this book, I knew you were a God who is forgiving. I knew you were going to save these people. He's not mad at God for being angry. He's mad at God for being caring and forgiving and filled with grace in the Old Testament. That's. The God that we all we usually separate the two. is like, you know the mean God, and then he had a kid and he chilled out, and now he the a new God? It's all the same God. Read the Bible, it all works out. It's all the same one. Uh, but he says the end, so he's like, I knew you were going to save them, and you didn't need me to come here. You wasted my time. I didn't need to come here. And God's response is basically, of course I didn't need you to come here. But I wanted you to. And so much of the mission that we do is the feeling like we, these people, need us. God needs us to go to this place because Jesus' name would not be heard in this place if we did not go. And the answer, the lesson from the story of Jonah, and really every story in the Bible, is that God absolutely does not need us. God wants us to be part of what God is doing. If you ever have taken a missions trip, that's a plural that shouldn't exist. There are not missions, there is one mission. It is not our mission, it is God's mission. And God is inviting us to bear witness to that. To just go to a place and say, holy cow, I never would have thought that God could look like that. And if we go to that place and say, let me tell you what God looks like, then we're gonna miss what God is already doing there. We are Jonah. And also the end of that story is uh, God says, I love you, Jonah. You're annoying, but I love you. Why are you mad about that plan? I made the plan, And why are you mad about the city? This city is filled with 120,000 people and many cattle as well. Do you not think I don't love these people too? Because I do. So I'm happy that they're alive, the same way I'm happy you're alive. And then Jonah says, I'm sorry, God. I understand it. And let's all go and have a nice day. That's not what happens at the end of the story. (laughs) God says, what's wrong with you, Jonah? And Jonah goes, and that's the end of the story. (laughs) Jonah sits in the middle of the desert being mad at God for being great. Like, he's not mad at God for being bad. He's mad at God for loving other people. And God says, grow up, Jonah. I can love who I want to love. And I love you, and I want you to see you love other people. And Jonah says, but I don't want to. And that's it. And that is us. Hot take. Because we want to be the people who, if we're going to go out of our way, we want to have changed some lives. We want to save some people. We want credit for this city not blowing up. And if it is going to blow up, we want to watch it burn. Because that's not us. We want to see evil pay for what they're paying for. And we don't want a God who's going to say, no, it's okay. You don't need to be. I forgive you. And if God's going to forgive people, He can do that without us. So a lot of mission trips are geared around not the people that we are serving, but the students who are going on those trips. And some of the business programs of those mission trips are trying to make the the trip the best they can for the kids on the trip, not for the people they're serving. The people become objects to be served rather than neighbors to be loved. Amen. And and I think the end of that story too is that I think we're just kind of Jonah. Yeah. Like, I don't, so, like, we leave from this place and I'm going, like, we fixed it. Now we know how to do mission. Like, it's really actually more complicated than that, because, like, what do we do? Are these trips good? Should we keep doing these trips? Is there any more Bible where it says that we should go to West Virginia for four days and do a thing and then hit somewhere else? And I'm like, is this biblical, what we're doing? Is this mission? Did you plant this tree?
4: Yikes.
2: I always like to end uh, uh, a talk with a kind of huh. feeling.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think we did that. I, <laughs> I was trying to tie it up with <laughs> <my> <laughs> really over. So you're driving me crazy I know, now, I, know <laughs> I know. I really you wanted mean, to yeah. end like that. Yeah. So the best thing about that though is that it, the
2: more you read the Bible, you're especially Jesus does this all the time, is that we have we are taught lessons that end with like, and now that's it. Hooray! The the full house family is all happy again. Oh, Michelle. Like, that's how it ends. <laughs> and then the next episode, nothing that happened in the episode before is ever talked about. We like things that wrap up in 20 minutes and they were good. And the, Jesus doesn't like that because that's not how life works. And so the Bible is constantly giving us stories that don't resolve. And so we have taught them in ways, we cut them off so that they do resolve. So many of Jesus' stories, he's just like, so what do you think about that? Huh. See ya. Like that kind of thing is like, oh man, I don't like that. And the prodigal son's probably the best one. Prodigal son is about two sons. But if you include the second son, that's not a happy story. Because it ends with this one, the older son saying, that guy didn't deserve it. And the answer is, I don't care if he deserved it. I love him like I love you. And the older son's like, why don't you throw me a party? Like, because you didn't ask for him. And you can come to this party. This party's for you too. And the older son's like, I don't wanna go to that party. That guy's terrible. And I was like, sure, but I love him and I love you, and I don't want you at this party. And then that ends
3: with no resolution. Yeah. You don't know.
2: It doesn't. And life doesn't resolve. Mission trips are all about resolution, mission is not. Mm-hmm. Huh? And? The... Yeah. yeah. The... So I've been Tyler. And I've been Jay. And this has been.
0: Wait, and
3: we're not done yet. yet. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Because you know what I love more than. Happy endings, Tyler. What's that? I love questions. Oh, and well, 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 well. So we'll do this systematically. Uh, Jimmy will decide who gets the microphone. All right. For the sake of podcast, too,
2: like tell us your name, where you're from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's Hello. Hi all. Okay.
4: What's your name, I'm
5: Noel Uh I'm originally from New Orleans. Where's that? It's right here. Uh, um and I but I live in Erie right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um. <laughs> so I don't know how to word this question, but how do we, as people who are recognizing that this is an issue, help to lead those who are part of like that Christian commercialism out of that? Because like I know that's a big problem, but I don't. I don't know,
3: like, how to do it without being like, this is wrong, but get fixed as quickly as we can. So, so step one, start a podcast. (laughs) And then step two, have a live show at a mission conference uh, and raise all these questions. And tell a bunch of kids that it's their problem. You guys have to fix it. Yeah, best of luck with that. My favorite thing to how to do any of that stuff is, and and to the point that I annoy people with it, because I, I too, have a pastor, and we are the people that are supposed to have answers. Um, That's kind of what our paychecks are for, to give answers to people. And questions are such a better method to break down those walls than just saying. Because if I go to somebody and I'm like, hey, you who runs this mission organization, you've run it your entire life, and this is the way you've done mission, and you're Another spoiler we didn't talk about: some people's entire faith in Christianity is built on this mission model that yeah, we just spent the last hour and a half saying is no good. Yeah, mission
2: trips have been formative in so many people's faith, including mine. Right. In mind. right. Like, it's been for probably many of you that some of the best experiences you've had in your
3: group have been on mission trips. So we don't want to dump on that experience completely. Completely. A Yeah. Uh, but I don't want to show up and say you're wrong and everything you're doing is wrong. What I do want to show up and say, why are you doing it? Why, why are we spending this much time? There's a school in Haiti that our church goes to, and the one wall in the school has been painted about six times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, we paint one color, and then we paint it again, and then we paint it again, and we paint it again. And if someone had shown up and said, why? It might have been different. Um, and I think the other question to have in your back pocket, this is good for every situation, but it's really good for this one, is what's Jesus up to in your life? That question is so powerful on so many levels. Um, So, I ask it of my students in my youth group, and they're all super annoyed that I keep asking it. Um, Yeah, accurate. Accurate. (laughs) But on a mission trip, to show up and ask a staff person, a volunteer, or whatever, hey, what's God up to? In this thing we're doing, it might not get you to the answer that you ultimately want to get to, but it will start pulling bricks off that wall of we're just here to help and we're the only ones providing help. If you start to bring Jesus into that conversation, that starts to tear that down a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, Jake said it, um, but I'll restate it because uh, that's what <laughs> I do. Um, but I, I think that uh, uh, that is a great question, and that's the fundamental question, I think, of this conference. In a th- anything like this, and it's been a question of the church. Yeah. Um, and I think that the real response is that it's uh, my initial response would have been had Jay had I answered first, I would have said to say this is wrong is important, but even more so, that's not the right answer. What Jay said is the right answer is to say, Why are we doing this? Um, and not and I mean like, Why are we doing this? <laughs> but like, don't be Jonah, but um that we need to know why we're doing the things that we're doing, and if it comes down to the fact we're doing this so that we can feel good about ourselves, that's the wrong reason. If you're not doing it to love neighbor and love God, then you're not doing it for the right reason. And we don't get to tell our neighbor how they need to be loved. And we, but it's so much easier for us to do that because that's, then we don't have to be out of our comfort zone. We can do what we are good at, what we're comfortable doing, and what we can do in four days. (laughs) <laughs> and no relationship ever
3: really happens before you. Yeah. A follow up? Or a different question? Yeah, I Wait, Give a different name so it sounds like a different person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's your name now? <laughs> Most of your name? had to No. <I don't>. <laughs> <laughs> False. Um, so, mm.
5: there's the the balance between meshing with their culture and not trying to westernize that um, and act like an empire, but how can we do that when parts, just parts of their culture, don't line up with Christian beliefs? We don't want to okay. be like, oh, hey, like this is wrong, so we're going to change your whole culture, but like, also, how do we be like? Bible
3: says this is wrong. We have 15 minutes. Can I get in trouble before? Can I get like, kicked out of conference? Let me, get, let me give it one sentence as yes. okay. and then you can give Yeah, yeah. okay. 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 I, I want to give my response for
2: you. To uh, so, the, the simple, I mean, the pushback I would say is that, and this is not even pushback, but this is a response, is we need to first ask why do we think that it's wrong? Yeah. Because our reading of the Bible is Western. We need to recognize our own bias in everything we do. What we think is a great church is a very Western, often white, American church. And American, Western, Western Christianity is different than any other Christianity. American Christianity is different than anything else. And Christianity didn't start here. Like, and it's still, the place where it started, it still exists. It started in the East, and so Eastern Christianity, and it never stopped being from the East. But we've made it all about us. So, that's, and that's not, I I think your question is a great one. Uh, And there are times where, It is going to come against even in a non Western way that there's going to be some conflict. But there's also a whole lot of conflict in the Western church that we're fine with. Like selling all you have and giving you a divorce, we're fine saying Jesus didn't literally mean that one. (laughs) But when Jesus says marriage is between a man and a woman, which he doesn't really say, we're fine saying, oh, that's exactly what he meant. Really, someone said, hey, what's divorce? Can we still get divorced? And Jesus says, well, I mean, uh, divorce is bad because it hurts people. And it happens sometimes, but when God said that these two people got joined, that they were joined for life, and so it's really hard to get divorced. That was His response. No one said, "Hey, is it okay if people are gay?" Jesus didn't answer that question, so let's not act like He did. And Jesus did tell us what we should do with our money, but we're fine pretending that He didn't, <laughs> because we like money. We don't like people who are different than us, and so we're happy to use the words of Jesus to fit into our current status, rather than using the words of Jesus to say that we need to change. We're happy to use the words that Jesus said, that other people need to change.
3: Yeah. Did I step on your thing. No, I okay. mean yes, but no. I'm going to take what you said and rephrase it, because that's, like, that's how we roll. Um, are there parts of other cultures that we should go and say, this is bad? Probably. Like, there are parts of cultures where uh, the sex trafficking is, is something that needs to be spoken out against, and that's a justice issue. My thing, though, is on a sheer priority standpoint, if you been fly a lot and they ever ever get an airplane fly, right? They're doing the safety thing that no one listens to when they've got their headphones on. And the line about the oxygen masks is so critical to everything about life. Put your mask on first before you try and help anybody else. We, I'm going to say this as boldly as I can, we have no right in America to go to any other culture and tell them what they're doing wrong until we figure out what we're doing ourselves. And to be extra clear, I'm not talking about secular American culture. Tyler turned me on to this Instagram account. Do you know Preacher Sneakers? Yes, that's so funny. It's, it's <laughs> funny in a way that makes me want to vomit. Yes, no, right, so it's I just pulled up one, Preachers
2: and Sneakers.
3: Yeah, th- this this account just takes pictures of popular preachers around the world, like televangelists, things like that, uh, and shows what they're wearing at the time. So this one is a post about a T-shirt shirt T- t-shirt. How much does a t-shirt that
2: looks cost? looks like a t-shirt you could get at Goodwill. Yeah, easy. Like, yeah.
3: Easy. Uh, this one costs $1,550 for a t-shirt on yeah. a pastor. On a pastor. So I'm not saying we need to go out into the American secular culture and fix things. We'll get to that, too. Our church is jacked up before we just don't have it all together. So sure, could we go and speak to justice issues in other cultures? Absolutely. From a sense of priority, we need to figure out what's messed up about the church now. It's almost like um, Jesus told us that exactly. But yeah. Like <laughs> Some about a plank <laughs> and a piece of sawdust, and I don't know, I a Home Depot sermon or something.
2: The other thing that that, uh, that it's a point that I want you to, to deal with. We do have a, another question. Um, The idea of secular society and christian society that is a false dichotomy especially if we have a god who is big enough that god exists everywhere there is no secular and i want you to get there is no secular there is if you really believe in god there is nothing where god is not present there are things that are uh broken there are things there's pain there are things that are trying to fill the void Of love for neighbor and love for God with other things. Uh, But that happens as much, if not more, in the church as it does outside of the church. So when we look at the world as this dichotomy between secular that is against us and the church which is for us, that is a bad breakdown. And Jesus directly criticizes the people who are for that. Jesus' biggest criticism is not for sinners, it's not for um, adulterers or things like that, it's for church people. He is constantly going against the good guys. pastors and the people who know about the Bible who are saying, this is what it needs to be. Those people are bad, we're good. And Jesus says, no, you're bad. Stop telling people that. That's almost exclusively what Jesus does in his ministry. is constantly pointing out, whenever we see Pharisees and Sadducees, we view them as the kind of evil villains with twisty mustaches. Those are the church. That is us. When we read the Bible and every Jesus is talking to uh, the the Sadducees, Pharisees, Philistines, teachers of the law, he's talking to you. We are not the Gentiles. We are the Pharisees and Sadducees. The Bible's very different if you recognize that fact and we let it be that. Because when we view ourselves as the Gentiles, then we are the persecuted people. And that's how we become victims in a false narrative that is not true. We are not victims. We are not persecuted. Yes, there are places where people are killing Christians, but by and large, we have tons of power. And when we act like we don't and that we are the ones that need protected, we are doing exactly the opposite of what Jesus wants us to do.
3: There is a awesome couple of people who have questions. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like you could have gone for a while on that one, but yeah, yeah. State okay. your name for the record, please.
5: I'm Eliza Loman. I'm from Wexford.
3: Pennsylvania. Yeah, home of the whack. Home of the whack. Yeah, I know a church there. It's pretty. I'm church. We're also
5: very nice. <Right. laughs> <laughs> we'll go there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Um, my question is, speaking that a lot of us here are younger, how do we bring these concepts to life to our church that's mostly
3: older adults? Like, how do we make this known to them without being like, you're all wrong. These questions are way too good. I know. I was expecting,
4: like, What's the Bible? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> how, how long have you to had your <laughs> <too> <laughs> um, That's
2: that's such a good question, and I don't have a good answer for you. I mean, the good answer is uh, don't stop asking the question, why are we doing this? Uh, and don't give up on the church. I think that that would be a big thing, especially for young people in middle school and high school. The church is way bigger than the building that you are, are currently growing up in. And that doesn't mean that your church is bad, but just like your family, as you get as you go off to school and you realize, like, oh, not all families do stuff like this. Oh, uh, my dad's opinion is not the best one on everything. Uh, <laughs> That's what actually and you have to reject your family to grow. But sometimes you're gonna grow beyond where your family is, and especially with your whole church. The church is so much bigger than any community. No church is perfect, no family is perfect. But we're told that all churches are the same, and that if you want to be a Christian, you need to get on board with whatever this church is saying, and that's just not the case. So you're gonna you're gonna start to the more you read the Bible, I mean really the hardest thing about being a Christian is when you read the Bible and realize like, oh we're not doing any of this. <laughs> uh, it's almost like they were just not reading this thing. Uh, the the more, I mean, the thing that has made push me into being more uh, a resistance Christian, if you will, um, during the resistance is uh, reading the Bible. So I mean, the problem the Bible is a real toxic thing to read if you like Christianity the way that it's been presented to you. It's really good. <laughs> 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 uh, so. Uh, um, the, as you start to read stuff, I mean, keep questioning people, um, but don't give up on the church. Uh, and know that the people in your church do love Jesus, and that God loves them too. And so that we are, and that's going to be really one of the hardest things, is as you start to have your eyes open to some big realities in the world, uh, and you're around people whose eyes have not been opened, it's really easy to forget. Like, just let those people go. Be like, you know what? I'm tired of you guys. You don't have to figure it out. We're going to go over here and figure it out. Uh, Jesus does care about the Pharisees and Sadducees. He spends a lot of time talking to them because he wants them to get on board. Um, so
3: don't give up on the church. A uh, truth and attention that go with that, a uh, lot of scholars, I know as soon as we say scholars, everybody falls asleep, but a lot of scholars think that the oldest disciple was Peter, and I think that he was maybe 18?
2: Maybe. He was married. Remember, Jesus was 30. Yeah. I'm 39, just to put perspective. Everybody, all the disciples... We're almost certainly teenagers, teenagers, teenagers right. maybe younger than most of you. So when
3: Jesus looks out over all the possibilities of people to join him on this revolutionary thing to change the world, he looks at you and your age and the gifts and, and values that you bring. Right. The tension in that is that there are a lot of churches who will say, we want younger families. And by that they mean, we want younger families to do church the way we've always done it that doesn't exist. Um, they're not there. So I think for you, and this is hard work, is to insert yourself in the conversations that people don't want you to be in in, in your churches. Uh, and, and that's super hard work, but it means showing up to the Bible study that's going to make you want to gouge your eyes out just so you can have the two minutes at the end to say, hey, what if this? Uh, and it's subversive work and it's long and it takes forever, but it, it's... The work the teenagers need to start picking up in the churches—not start, but continue. Well, and
2: especially coupling that with not giving up. Yeah, because a lot of times when you ask real hard questions of adults, they will want to push you out. Yeah. Let's do one more. Yeah, we got one more. Sorry, can talk? So, oh, you're so much. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I have one excited
1: question. Okay, hello, people. I'm Elliot from um, Tyler's house. <laughs> <laughs>
4: The
2: proper address, top bunk bed.
1: Yeah, top of the bunk bed. Second um, floor. Yeah, second floor. So, the question first of all, what <laughs> is the Bible? Second of all, I agree with you on the uh fair cheese and uh, uh, whatchamacallit. Maggie? So, somebody um, really wants ice cream when you plant here tonight. Yeah. yeah, I already had some Everybody's had ice cream but me. What's your question, buddy? All right. So what I want to say is, I was going to ask you, why do people just fight so much over what God looks like?
4: Oh. Uh, that's
2: a great one. Yeah, let's give that some snaps. That's the best you can come up with? No, I'm kidding. That's an awesome <laughs> question. Thank you.
4: Thank
1: you. And tell you what, Jay, you get ice cream after this
4: podcast.
2: Oh. <laughs> I was ice cream, but now I can't legally. i to make sure. I know who loves me in the I what I can. Yeah, thank
4: you.
2: So, the question again was why do people fight so much over what God looks like? That is, a, again, I mean, he, he consistent with that row. Way to go with that row, beating everybody else out. Shame on every other row. That's just because Jimmy didn't or, want to move with the microphone. Or, or he just answered two questions in like a half hour. That's also true. Yeah. And I couldn't get to other. Well, well yes. possibly a lot of questions. So, I mean, that's a deeper question. Sometimes the best questions come from the uh, the sources you don't expect. This is a good example of that. Um, Why do people fight over what God looks like? Um, To take that, I mean, in a serious way, wars are fought over who Jesus is. Um, And we tend to, because we've been given an image of Jesus that looks like us. And so we have no problem trying to get other people to look like us because Jesus looks like us. Yeah. And it's very clear, this shouldn't be a surprise, but it's still probably not the image that you go to first when you think of Jesus. You probably go to Girlfriend Jesus. I like to call Girlfriend Jesus. Girlfriend? Uh, see, see your picture of Jesus? Have you seen the picture yeah. of Jesus <laughs> where he's behind, like he's got the back up, his brown, and he's like. <laughs> yeah, and he looks like, he's very soft and non-threatening. And Swedish. And very Swedish, yes. has blondish, strawberry blonde hair, blue eyes, Very white skin. And that's probably hanging in your church right now. Um, That is not anything like what Jesus looked like. Jesus was uh, a person who lived in first century Palestine, who was of Jewish descent, who was 30 years old, uh, who hung around with a bunch of teenagers, and who was dirty, did not have a white robe because he did not have a house. He went around um, bumming food off of people and telling them that the whole system's gonna change. Um, he would have looked like the, the best example of what Jesus would have looked like is any picture of a terrorist that you think of in your head. So if you think of Jesus, usually you think of girlfriend Jesus, senior picture of Jesus. If you think of terrorists, you think of probably the Middle Eastern person. That's who Jesus looked like. And so the image of what we should be scared of, the other that we are willing to build walls about and fight wars over, is Jesus. When we think of Jesus as looking like us, we are willing to defend us over them because they are a threat to not only us but to Jesus.
3: And that is the worst thing we could do. And I think this is a good place to end it because unlike Jonah, I do like happy endings. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in the beginning of the Bible, I don't think this, I know this, it says that we are created in God's image. Um, and one of the cardinal sins of humanity is to create God in our image, mm-hmm. um, to, to turn that around. And so what happens is when someone presents us with a God that doesn't look like us, we get very, very nervous. And we start to feel threatened. Yes. And we start to feel like we're on the outside looking in. Um, which, first of all, take that idea and apply it to everything we just talked about in mission. If we show up and say, God doesn't look like you, God looks like us. We are intrinsically coming in with a threat uh, to somebody. But the thing that I think that ignores is the reality that God, through Jesus, is constantly reminding us again and again, you know I love you, right? You know you're okay, right? You know you're fine, right? This is covered. You are loved. You are included. You are welcomed in. When we feel threatened by someone's version of God or someone's version of Jesus that isn't like us, A big piece that's tied up to that is that we have forgotten what God says about us. That we are loved. That we are okay. That we are going to make it. Right? So, stop fighting over what God looks like. Start believing what God says. And in that, like, I mean, bringing it back to the whole sense of
2: mission and conversion. I mean, conversion, if mission is about conversion, it's about going to other people and making sure that they change. And what Jesus comes in and tells us is that we are the people who need to change. And especially if we're given a God who doesn't look like us, then we need to at least change our, our mindset of who is included. If we are given a God who looks like us, then other people need to change their mindset. And what Jesus says is, uh, I love you all right now, and so therefore, you can, you. can it's okay to change. You don't need to be something. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to fit this ideal. Um, because my love for you is not conditional on who you are, or what you believe, or the things that you do, then you can live free from trying to be perfect,
0: and trying to make other people
2: hurt. Yeah. And that, that true mission, what Jesus calls us to, what the Great Commission is about, going and making disciples, is not going and getting people to pray a prayer, or say yes to a thing, or accept the book. It's going and being like a disciple's relationship, being in a relationship with people. If you can't be in a real relationship with them, and, and I mean, to bring Paul back in, Paul is constantly writing, all the letters that we have from Paul are writing to churches that he either is still trying to maintain those relationships or saying, I can't come back to you, but you should really pay attention to these people. I gonna send some people to, to spend time with you. So, uh, build those relationships with people and the relationship built on the love of God rather than the conversion to accepting God. It doesn't matter what a person says. It matters what a person sees in us and then can, can replicate that, that. That There's a great uh, verse and song that says they will know we are Christians by our love, not by our belief, not by our statements, not by our wristbands or by the Bibles we carry, um, but by what we do. And love is not a spiel. It's not a thing that you sell people on. It's just, a, it's something that you demonstrate. And so mission at its heart is love. And, and love is not about changing people. Love is about helping people to know that they're okay right now. And that's a very important about. So uh, the Twitter question for today is, are those questions, what, how do we fix it? How do we fix it? How, what voice should we have in the church? And how do we love people, or how do we how do we stop fighting over what Jesus looks like? And then other questions like that. But basically, like how do we how do we know what mission is? And and know that you, as regardless of your age, that you have a voice in the church. Mary was 12. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, she, I think most, if not all of you, are older than that. Uh, she didn't know what she was doing, and that was okay, because uh, Jesus turned out okay. Um, so, you're right in the sweet spot. If anybody talks about you like you're the church of tomorrow, and they don't know what the church is. You're the church of right now, just like we are. And the church of right now is all people of all ages and of all sizes and of all races, colors, genders. And everything like so, uh, you don't have to fit into a bowl to have a voice.
3: I'm Jay, and I'm good. And this has been Ruffing the Pastor.